Hey everyone, and welcome back to my podcast, where it is all about movie commentaries here. This week, we are starting a brand new series, Harry Freaking Potter. This series is my top three favorite series, along with Lord of the Rings and Marvel, which we will get into eventually. But I was actually a really late fan to Harry Potter. I actually wasn't even allowed to watch or read Harry Potter until I think The Goblet of Fire. Yeah, The Goblet of Fire. When it came out, that was my very first Harry Potter movie to see in theaters. So obviously since this movie came out in 2001, I wasn't working it and was really late to the Harry Potter party. But once I saw the first movie, I was hooked and have been hooked since. I have my own Harry Potter tattoo, got the Deathly Hallows symbol, so I'm a true, true fan. (laughs) Um, But anyways, we're going to get right into this movie. So if you guys have been here for a hot minute, you know the drill. We're going to talk about the actors in this movie. And we have a ton. Almost too many to name, honestly, because I do want to give everybody credit. But I feel like that's going to take the whole episode if I tell you how many amazing people are in this movie. But just to name a few top people to me would be Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, Rupert Grant, our holy trinity, honestly. And then we have Alan Rickman and Maggie Smith. And the list just goes on and on. Like I said, there's basically too many to name because they're just jam-packed in this movie. And we add more amazing people as these movies go on. So buckle up for that ride. (laughs) But this is probably one of the few series that I won't talk about the soundtrack. Because I can basically get it out right now in this first one. And just say just as like a general stamp that every score for every single one of these movies is beautiful. And even if you haven't seen a Harry Potter movie, you can't sit here and tell me that you don't know the theme to Harry Potter. It's just, I don't know. Something about it, you're just like, hey, I know that song. Even if you can't really place it, like you know what that song is. So I really hope I don't get any hate for what I'm about to say. Like I said, I was a late bloomer in the Harry Potter world, so I was late to reading the books. I also was a jumper at reading these books. I didn't read all of them. I read the first one, the third one, the fourth one, the sixth one, and half of the seventh one. So no one come for me and no one quiz me because I'm going to get it wrong because I read those books in high school because we had AR points that we had to get and Harry Potter was always just a few points ahead of what I actually needed. So I could just read those books and I'd be good if I missed a question. So it didn't really matter, but I still loved the books. The sixth one is probably my favorite book. It was the best. And the fourth one is my second favorite. And I really hate that they left out a lot of the stuff in the fourth one in the movie, but we will get into that when we get to the Goblet of Fire. But basically I'm way more of a movie girl than I am a book girl. And that is why I was drawn so much to these movies over the books. So please no hate. I do love the books. I do. (laughs) They're just not my like thing I want to do in my spare time, you know? But this movie for me was probably the most simple of them, mainly because it laid the groundwork to everything. And I mean, we meet all of our characters for the most part. Like I said, they still introduce a ton of great people later on, but we meet our villain, which is the main important thing in one form or another. We meet him. And I appreciate this movie for the purpose that it serves, but it's definitely not my favorite. And I kind of forgot a whole lot about this movie. So when I watched it, a lot of it, I was like, oh, 
that did happen in this movie. So for some of it, it was like rewatching it for the first time again, which was cool. And I definitely forget how much I appreciate it when I do watch it. But like I said, we lay the groundwork and it's good groundwork. We start the story with a baby with a lightning bolt scar on his forehead that is left on a doorstep. Who we soon learn is our star of the show, Mr. Potter himself. And that is also where we meet Dumbledore and Professor McGonagall and Hagrid. But you don't know that they're as important as they are when you meet them because literally they just walk up, leave him, and then they're like, oh, it's not goodbye forever. And then you cut to the opening title. We do time jump about 10 years. And then we figure out that the doorstep that he was left on was his aunt and uncle's house, the Dursleys. And they are terrible people. They have a terrible son named Dudley, who's Brat. And like, I get it. Like later on, you understand them a little bit better. But for right now, I hate them. And that hate has continued on even no matter how many times I watch this movie. They're still terrible. I mean, the poor kid's room is under their stairs. Like, it's a cupboard. And it's just, ugh, it just breaks my heart every time. But they are nice and don't keep him locked up all the time. But one day, they decide to take him and Dudley to the zoo. And, of course, Dudley's being a turd and he's wanting the snake in the cage to move. And it's obviously not. And that is when we first figure out that Harry can speak Parseltongue which we don't know what that is yet until the Chamber of Secrets, but but he understands the snake and can communicate with it. And he's like, oh my gosh, do you understand me? And of course, Dudley gets pissed because he sees the snake moving, pushes Harry out of the way, Harry gets pissed. Then all of a sudden, the glass between Dudley and the snake disappears. And Dudley falls into the snake. I don't even know what to call it. It's like a, I don't know the terminology, but y'all know what I'm talking about. And the snake leaves, says thanks, and then just kicks it out the door. Like, he's just like, see ya, I'm gone. And then all of a sudden, the glass reappears in front of Dudley, and he can't get out. Of course, we know that it's Harry's fault, but they don't technically know that it's his fault. But they blame him anyway, because they're always looking for reasons to blame him. So, of course, after all this craziness happens, these letters start to appear. And of course, they're delivered by owls because, you know, magic. And they are letters from a school called Hogwarts. Well, as soon as Vernon and Petunia, that's his aunt and uncle, see this, they rip it up immediately. Don't let him read it. Like, he's not allowed to see these letters. Well, that doesn't stop these owls from bringing tons and tons more letters. Eventually, Vernon decides to block the mail slot so that they can't receive any more letters well, that stops working once, I don't know, a couple of owls, I would say about like maybe a hundred. It's probably not that many. That's probably exaggerated. But all of a sudden, all these letters just start flooding into this house. And Harry grabs one of them and he opens them and he's like, what is this? And he's like, no, we're leaving. Like we are, we are getting out of here. And they take him to this shack on the lake is what I'm going to call it. And they hide him away, or they try to. Like, I don't know what's worse, the fact that all this is happening and he's figuring all this stuff out, or that it's his birthday and nobody has given him a cake or presents or anything. And at the beginning of the movie, it's Dudley's birthday, I think, and he gets like 36 presents or something like that. And he's like, I was, I got like 30 
eight last year or something like that. It's some random number. And they didn't get this poor boy anything for his birthday. Nothing. Like, it's not even acknowledged that it's his birthday. Like, he makes a cake out of the dirt on the floor that he's sleeping on in this shack that says, Happy Birthday, Harry. And he blows out the fake candles. Like, it's just so heartbreaking. But have no fear, because in Bus Hagrid, with a cake, we do find out that is misspelled and is super popular, so everybody should know what it says. But he busts in and is like, hey, I'm here to take you to Hogwarts, basically. And they're like, no, you're not taking him. And he's like, yes, I am. Like, they have this big argument. And then we find out that this poor boy doesn't even know how his parents died. They told him that they died in a car crash when really they were killed by Voldemort, but he is called he who shall not be named in this movie. But Petunia says she went and got herself blown up. Like, that's your sister. I get it. You don't like her. Whatever. But you can't say that. You can't say that. And I mean, the only reason she didn't really like her was because she was doted on because Lily was a witch and Petunia thought she was a freak. And that is the main hatred that we have here. And it's just sad that when she took her own sister's kid and like she can't even sit here and tell him, oh, well, this is what happened. Like your parents died because of this. So we find out when you are a new wizard, the very first place that you stop is Diagon Alley. Well, to get there, they go through this um, pub, I guess is what they call it. And this is where we meet one of the professors from Hogwarts. His name is Professor Quirrell. He has a stutter and he wears a turban and he's weird. I mean, that's really his identifiers there. But once we make it to Diagon Alley, we go to Gringotts, which is the bank. And we find out that Harry is loaded, which... I don't remember if it says in the books like how he is so loaded, but like his it's said in the movie that his parents left him this money and I cannot remember how they have all this money. Me and my husband were trying to figure it out the other night and I was stumped. So if anybody knows, let me know because it's bugging me. But anyways, at this bank, they also make another stop because Hagrid says he has to pick something up for Dumbledore and it's in this vault 713 and it is in a burlap little sack bag thing and he won't tell him what it is so sketchy and we will get into it later but once we get to Diagon Alley and we really start shopping for what he needs for school we meet Mr. Ollivander which is the wand maker and he is precious and we go through numerous wands with Harry that don't work and just aren't clicking and then all of a sudden he pulls out this wand from the back and it's just an instant click and we find out that the wand that harry has is actually the brother wand of voldemort's wand and he said it's the brother wand of the one that gave you that scar because when his parents died voldemort did try to kill him and he was only left with that scar and there's way more to get into that later on as we go so i'm not even gonna dwell on it right now We'll get into it later. So once he gets his wand and he's got his robes and he's all ready to go. And then Hagrid surprises him with an owl. And that's where we meet Hedwig. And she is precious and beautiful and white. Would I ever want an owl as a pet? Absolutely not. But if I was a witch, I would for sure get an owl over a toad or a rat or a cat. Like, those are your options. Always go, always go for the owl, in my opinion. And I hate birds, so that is saying a lot. 
But anyways, he gets his owl and he's all ready to go. He's got his little, I don't even know what you would call it. It's a little cart. Yeah, I'm going to call it a cart. With all of his stuff on it. And Hagrid's like, okay, I got you a ticket. Here is your ticket. And it's on platform nine and three quarters. And he's like, well, that doesn't exist. And he's like, oh, you'll figure it out. It just leaves this kid to figure it out on his own. Luckily, we run into the Weasleys. And they teach him how to run through this wall, which is between nine and ten, which makes nine and three quarters. And then we pop up and there's a Hogwarts Express. And that is how our first friendship is born, which is Harry and Ron. And we love it. We love to see it. And then we also meet Hermione on the train. And I am a Hermione stan. I think she is great. And those boys would be dead without her. In every single movie, they would be dead without her. So they all become fast friends. And then we make it to Hogwarts. And we also meet Draco Malfoy. And even though he is a turd, I still love Draco. I mean, he is a good villain, not villain. Because, <laughs> I mean, he's just a villain to Harry just because he wants to be mean to him. But I think he's actually a really nice person deep down, deep, deep down. <laughs> but anyways, um, they get sorted into houses as soon as they get to Hogwarts. And the houses are Gryffindor, Slytherin, Hufflepuff, and Ravenclaw. Well, our golden trio is obviously in Gryffindor because they have to stay together. And then Draco doesn't even get the sorting hat on his head and it automatically says Slytherin. And I mean, you see some people going to Hufflepuff and like, I don't even think you see anybody going to Ravenclaw, but I kind of feel bad for Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw because they don't get any appreciation until later on. And speaking as a Hufflepuff myself, like give my Hufflepuffs the recognition they deserve. I also forgot to mention that when we do get to Hogwarts, we meet Alan Rickman's character and he plays Professor Snape. He is the potions master and um, Professor Coral, the one we met before, he is the defense against the dark arts teacher, which is the job that Snape wants. So like there's tension, obviously, and Snape's already sketchy as hell. So it doesn't help that he also wants this other dude's job. But anyways, once we um, are all sorted and everything like that, we learn how to fly a broom. And it goes terribly, as terrible as you think it would. But it's not all terrible. In the midst of trying to be a good person and get something back for someone, Harry ends up on the Quidditch team. And he, I think, is the youngest seeker that's what the position he gets the youngest seeker in a century and we also learned that his dad was a seeker when he went to hogwarts so cool family little tie in there we learned how the game of quidditch goes and honestly i i'm gonna get all the terminology wrong so i'm not even gonna try to even talk about it on here but we meet oliver wood and he is the captain of the quidditch team and he's only in two movies and then he's gone and that's just so upsetting to me because i loved oliver I wish he would have gotten more screen time because he was, he was nice. I mean, the few minutes you get to see him, I would have loved to see his story go a little further. (laughs) We do find out though that Harry's job is kind of the most important job in Quidditch. Since he's a seeker, he has to catch what's called a golden snitch. And once he catches that, then that means the game's over. But that thing is super duper fast and I would hate to have that job, honestly. It's a lot of pressure. 
since their first years at Hogwarts, though, you know that you have to go through all the basics and everything. And obviously Hermione excels in all these classes because, like I said, she's a brain. Well, that really gets under Ron's skin, apparently, because he doesn't like to be corrected, I don't think. And he gets offended when she corrects him about how to lift a feather, which you get the famous quote, it's Leviosa, not Leviosa. And that was a terrible impression. And I'm so sorry. <laughs> but he's talking about her and how annoying she is. And she hears him and she goes and runs and hides in the girl's bathroom as one girl does when she is hormonal and young. And I kind of wanted to slap Ron because dude, she's trying to help you out. Just listen to her. Anyways, all this is happening. And then a troll gets loose in the school. And you hear the, there's a troll in the dungeon. I really don't need to do impressions and I'm going to try and stop. I make no promises though. But anyways, they evacuate all the kids to go back into the dormitories or common rooms or whatever you call them. But no, Harry and Ron are like, no, Hermione's in the bathroom. We got to go save her. Well, where does the troll end up? But the girl's bathroom where Hermione is. Duh. She, of course, freaks out as you should the boys do save her in their own sort of way and they don't kill it they injure it and i guess they get the troll out of the school like it's really never said they just leave it in the bathroom and we hear nothing else about it hermione does take the blame though for them because she says that she is the one that brought the troll into the school because she wanted to see if she could beat it and she couldn't and she says that the boys came and saved her so she saved their butts and when they got points deducted from Gryffindor for her mistake quote unquote they got those points back because they said that the boys were brave and they have never seen first years defeat a troll so they gave them 10 points each so all in all it worked out I guess but just be nice to your girlfriends so they don't go cry in bathrooms and get attacked by trolls. Plain and simple. So in the process of snooping one night, the trio happens upon this room with this three-headed dog. And they, of course, freak out. But Harry says that he notices that there is an opening what the dog is laying on. So he thinks that the dog is guarding something. Well, eventually, he thinks that Snape is trying to get where that dog is because when the troll broke into the school he noticed that Snape's leg was all bloody and he said he's the one that let the troll in the school so that he could go and sneak off and try and get past that three-headed dog and he is just set in his suspicion that it's Snape he's set in his ways we do find out that that three-headed dog's name is Fluffy because it's Hagrid's dog apparently why am I surprised I'm not so Hagrid knows what's down there He's like, I can't talk about it. Y'all don't need to know about it. I've said too much already. Blah, 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 blah. And so that leads us into our first Quidditch game. And the first game is Gryffindor versus Slytherin. Appropriate. And Harry gets a brand new broom. He gets a Nimbus 2000. I guess that's the equivalent to a Porsche for a car. I don't know anything about cars. So that is literally me pulling that out of my ass. The game does not go well. It does at first because Gryffindor's ahead and everything's going great, da da da, and then Slytherin starts playing dirty 
knocking people off their brooms, knocking people unconscious, like my boy would. And then all of a sudden, it's just left to Harry to catch this snitch. So what does he do? He catches it in his mouth. 150 points to Gryffindor and they win the game. Pretty eventful, I would say, for your very first Quidditch game. During the Quidditch game, though, Harry almost gets knocked off his broom. They see Snape casting a spell, so they think that Snape is the one doing this. So Hermione goes and catches Snape's cloak on fire to break his concentration so that Harry can get back up on his broom. After the game, they basically interrogate Hagrid into telling them if Snape is a bad guy or not, basically, is what they're asking. And he says, no, Snape's not a bad guy. He's the one of the wizards that's helping, you know, guard what's ever being guarded by this three-headed dog, Fluffy. And Hagrid says, that's nobody's business but mine, Dumbledore's, and Nicholas Flamel's. And he's like, I shouldn't have said that. I gave you way too much information. But these kids run with it. And they try and look up everything they can about Nicholas Flamel. Well, fast forward a little bit, and it's Christmas. Most of the kids are going home, except for Ron and Harry. They stay there. And Harry gets an invisibility cloak for Christmas. Doesn't say who it's from, just that it was his dad's, and whoever had it was told to pass it down to him. Well, that means that he can use that to go look in the restricted section in the library to find anything on Nicholas Flamel. So he does just that. Well, he doesn't find anything on Nicholas Flamel, but he does see Snape and Quirrell having a very heated discussion. And of course he runs away before we find anything juicy. Then he stumbles upon this mirror in this random room. And in the mirror, he sees his parents. And he goes and gets Ron. He's like, come quick, come quick. You've got to see my parents. You've got to. Well, when Ron gets in front of the mirror, he sees himself as head boy. He's the Quidditch captain. He's won the Quidditch cup. And so you kind of figure out that you see what you want to see pretty much. And so Harry's not going to be able to show Ron his parents because Ron's not going to see them, which is kind of sad. And Harry continues to go back to this mirror for a while until Dumbledore is like, hey, it's going to be moved and I'm not going to tell you where it's going. Which, like, way to be a Debbie Downer, Dumbledore. So since Harry didn't find anything in the restricted section on Nicholas Flamel, who finds out this information about Nicholas Flamel? Hermione, of course. And she puts this big book on the table. She goes, kind of for some light reading. And I'm with Ron when he asks, this is light. But that is neither here nor there. She figures out that Nicholas Flamel had created the full... Well, it's the Philosopher's Stone or the Sorcerer's Stone. Depends on where you are. In this one, it's the Sorcerer's Stone. And basically, it is... If you have it in your possession, you pretty much live forever. You become immortal. So, ding, ding, ding. What is being hidden underneath this three-headed dog is the Sorcerer's Stone. So, they run and tell Hagrid that they know about the Sorcerer's Stone. They know everything pretty much... So when they go to tell him this, though, he is boiling something. And when he takes it off of the pot, he doesn't tell them what it is, obviously, but it starts to crack open. And you do figure out that eventually it is a baby dragon. And he said, some dude at the 
at the pub gave it to me. He doesn't say dude. He said some man at the pub gave it to me. And then we see that Draco has been spying on them the whole time. Which in turn gets them in trouble with McGonagall. And they all four end up in detention. And Draco is like, what? I don't need to be in detention. She's like, listen, even though you saw them doing something bad, you were doing something bad too. And you were out past curfew. So they end up in detention with Hagrid to go into the dark forest. And I just feel like that is against all sorts of laws. I don't know how they are in the wizarding world, but I just feel like that's not good. Because Draco says, you're not supposed to go in there. That forest is scary. It's like, I don't even think he says it's scary, but he says that it's basically like forbidden. So I wouldn't want to be going somewhere forbidden, even if on detention. The whole purpose of them going to the dark forest is because something is killing unicorns. It's totally normal, right? And they're like, this is what we're after. So let's split up. So... Harry and Draco are a pair, and then Hermione, Ron, and Hagrid are a pair. We know where this is going. Harry and Draco are the ones that find the thing that is killing these unicorns, and it's it's, it's a thing. I don't even think it's, it's not a person. It's a thing. And all of a sudden, Harry's scar starts to hurt when they see it, and we can put two and two together that it is Voldemort, and he's drinking the blood of this unicorn. We find out from this centaur that saves his life, because that's so casually to say, that when you drink the blood of a unicorn, you live like a half-life and you're haunted, but it keeps you alive no matter what's going on with you. So even though Voldemort is like a shell of a person, that unicorn blood will keep him alive long enough for him to do whatever he needs to do. I'm going to jump back for a second, because when Hagrid hatched that dragon when Malfoy told on him Dumbledore ended up taking the dragon away and taking it to Romania so it can be with its own kind. We're going to speed back up to where we are. When they figure out that Voldemort is alive quote unquote they start to piece two things together and they go to Hagrid and say Who's this guy that gave you this dragon? He goes, I don't know. I never saw his face. He was wearing a cloak. We put the two and two together that it was Voldemort that gave him this dragon. As a ploy so that he would talk to him about this three-headed dog. And he wanted to know how he could get past it. He said, oh, all you gotta do is play some music and you're in. And then Hagrid's like, ah, shouldn't have told you that either. So what do they do? These kids run off and they're like, oh, we're gonna go get past this dog. Well, before they can leave to go and figure out who's down there. They think it's Snape. Poor little sweet baby Neville. And I haven't talked about Neville at all in this episode, but we love Neville. Ugh, he is number two on my list of like my stands. Like, you know, it's Hermione and then it's Neville. Just gonna throw that out there. He decides to stand up to them. He's like, no, you're not leaving. You're not gonna get Gryffindor in trouble again. And what does Hermione do? She basically like freezes him and it feels so bad for him because <laughs> he tried to do something good and he was not successful in the least little bit. So on their way to go and save this stone, that's what I'm going to use. They go in where the dog is. There's a heart playing. Someone's cast a spell in order for it to keep playing so that they can get past the dog. 
So they use that to their advantage and they decide that they're going to use that harp too. Well, they talk too much and they don't get a plan together and then the harp stops and all of a sudden the dogs wake again trying to bite their faces off. Well, they get past the dog and then they get into these vines and I cannot remember what they're called and I hate that I can't remember what they're called. But basically, if you don't struggle, they sink you down below them and if you do struggle, then they'll kill you. So obviously Ron is the one that's going to struggle here. Hermione has to save his butt again. Like I said, these boys would not survive without her. And I stick to that. And then the next obstacle is they get to this room where they have to find this key and it is, they look like birds. They're key birds. (laughs) And he has to ride a broom to go get this key. But once he gets on the broom, the other keys attack him to try to not get this key and it's Harry is the one that's riding the broom I don't think I said that they get this key obviously and then they make it to the last round where it is like real life wizard's chest and I didn't talk about that earlier so basically wizard's chest is very extreme in that if you checkmate the queen or whoever checkmates you basically destroys the opponent which is cool but not in a real life sense way So in this scene where we play wizard's chess is where you get the famous quote, not me, not Hermione, you. And Ron basically sacrifices himself, not really, because he's okay, in order for Harry to get to where he needs to go because he knows that he's the only one that can do it, which is sweet. And like I said, I love their friendship. It's the best. Harry ends up winning to lead him into the very last obstacle which is where we go into this room and the mirror is there. That one mirror that he was super infatuated with. And who is standing in front of that mirror? Not Snape, Professor Quirrell. And you are just shocked because you just can't believe that this stuttering little professor nobody is your villain. And then you find out that beneath that turban is Voldemort's face. So he basically had to take on the life of another in order to be there. And he tries to convince Harry that he should give him the stone so that he can help him see his parents. He said, hey, if you come with me and you help me, then we can see your parents and I can make that happen for you. Well, of course, Harry doesn't buy that. And Professor Quirrell, a.k.a. Voldemort, tries to kill him. But then we find out that... If Harry touches him, then he burns, and we don't figure out why until later, but basically he disintegrates this man and ends up with the stone. All in all, it's a very happy win. He does end up in the infirmary because once he disintegrates him, like this, I wouldn't call it a ghost, like a spirit or whatever, flies through him and knocks him unconscious. He does end up in the infirmary, and that is where Dumbledore tells him that the reason that he could burn Voldemort is because of his mom. And when she sacrificed herself with her love for him, it made him kind of untouchable is how I'm going to put it. And that is his weapon of defense against Voldemort is that his mom sacrificed himself and he has that shield basically, which is pretty cool. And they go way more into depth the later on we get into this movie. So I will circle back around to that eventually. We end this movie, wrap it up in a nice little bow with Gryffindor winning the house cup and Harry 
going back to the Dursleys, but he ends this movie with the best quote. And he says, I'm not going home. Not really. And then you see the train go away. And it's a really beautiful way to end this movie. And it is a great cap to the start of a great series. And I did forget how much I did like this movie, even though it is really cheesy. And you do notice to me how inexperienced they were as actors because they enunciate so much and it kills me. But they did very well for, I think, most of those first movie and for such a big role. And it did its purpose. Everyone loves these movies that have seen them. And it went on to a span of eight movies in total. So all in all, I don't think they did a bad job. As always, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We will be back at it on March 25th with Chamber of Secrets which is my like third favorite out of the series. So I'm super excited to get into that one. In the meantime, you guys should go to my TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. They're all at movie theater mom. Please give me a follow. I would really appreciate it just as much as I appreciate you guys listening to me ramble today. So until next time, see you later. <laughs>